Today on Green Cars, the podcast, we look at how cold temperatures affect electric cars, reducing range by up to 41%. Could this keep you away from driving green? Welcome to Green Cars, the podcast, where we talk about all things involving hybrid, plug-in hybrid, and all-electric cars. I'm Trish Gloss. And I'm Dave Nichols. Today, we're going to talk about a very different kind of range anxiety. I'm talking about the special fear that happens when you are in a snowstorm stuck and your EV range is dropping drastically mm -hmm. due to the freezing conditions. Have you ever heard of what happens to EV batteries in real cold weather? Well, I experienced this, I feel like, Dave. Um, remember when I was driving, test driving the Mustang Mach-E? We have some video right now uh, when I took it out to the Applegate Valley. If you're watching this episode, you can see it in the monitor behind us. It had snowed that morning. We had fresh, beautiful snow on the mountaintops. But I'm panicking because I'm watching the range in the car drop little by little as we keep driving. And then especially, I call it the butt warmer, when you turn on the, the, seated, the heated seats and the steering wheel, then you're watching that range go a little bit further and a little bit further. So not only do I have range anxiety at this point, now I have cold weather range anxiety too. It was a little too much in one morning. Okay, then imagine adding on top of that, that you're in an urban area stuck in a very long line of other EVs that are waiting for a charge. Mm. You're waiting for hours. Right, yeah. <laughs> this no. actually happened recently in Chicago. And amazingly uh, the today show was there to pick up on it and they had people waiting all day to get a charge one uh uber driver said he was turning in his chevy bolt to get a gasoline vehicle again because he just couldn't take it anymore yeah, he'd had it he'd yeah. had it i read that according to AAA, ev batteries can lose up to 41 percent of range when the temperature drops below 20 degrees and on top of that, it takes much longer to charge at charging stations when the weather's that cold. During a recent blizzard, some EV owners waited more than six hours for a charge, and others had to resort to having their car towed home. You know they were not happy. No. Now, also, we should point out that all vehicles uh, lose range. Gasoline vehicles mm -hmm. do as well in extreme cold conditions. But EVs are especially sensitive. They're sensitive. Yeah. EVs are sensitive. Well, we're going to learn more about EVs and cold temperatures from our resident EV expert, Chase Strom, in just a few minutes. But first, we want to check out the latest EV news in What's Up. According to the Associated Press, clean energy is growing despite economic challenges. Led by new solar power, the world added renewable energy at breakneck speed in 2023. According to the International Energy Agency, clean energy is now the least expensive kind of power, explaining some of the growth as nations adopted policies that support renewable energy. More than 440 gigawatts of renewable energy added in 2023, more than the entire power capacity of Germany and Spain together. Amazing. And solar power is now the cheapest form of energy in the majority of countries. In the U.S., California continues to have the most solar energy, followed by Texas, Florida, North Carolina, and Arizona. Wind energy also had a record year as the world added enough wind energy to power 80 million homes. Wow. American Clean Power says that developers are taking advantage of new tax credits passed last year by the Inflation Reduction Act. And with one in five cars sold this year predicted to be electric, 2023 was a massive year for EV battery production. More than 43.4 billion, Dave, dollars, billion, spent on battery manufacturing last year in America, putting the U.S. on par with Europe. 
but China still leads the way in manufacturing. While the U.S. and Europe has 38 battery gigafactories in the works, China has 295 such massive factories, and that's according to Benchmark Mineral Intelligence. And the cost of battery raw materials, including lithium, have dropped significantly so that now most Americans will soon be able to afford an EV. Mm -hmm. But all that is not the most interesting electric transportation news of the week, Trish. It's not. What could possibly top that? That would be the fact that Moonwalker shoes, <laughs> there they are, have gotten lighter and smarter. Say it isn't so. It is true, I tell you. According to TechCrunch, Austin-based Shift Robotics have revamped its Moonwalker X robotic shoes to be a pound lighter each and feature some key control system upgrades. They will also be available in smaller sizes. That's got to be a joke. It's not a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. Okay. All right. No, I kid you not. Uh, you can now glide along with the greatest of ease and the price is coming down too. In other less interesting EV news, Hyundai has become the second largest electric automaker behind Tesla in the U.S. market, wow. beating both General Motors and Ford. Mm -hmm. Hyundai and Kia together make up more than 8% of all EV sales last year in America. And that's what's up. Well, if it's possible, I'm speechless. And don't even think about creating an episode of me in those Moonwalker robotic shoes. It is not going to happen. I was thinking about it. I'm Put my foot down, my, my moonwalker foot down right now. No, I have an idea. Just to calm things down a bit, let's go to some video and see what happens when Trish is waiting for the charging station <laughs> attendant to arrive, shall we? Uh. Okay, I made it to the charging station. Is there an attendant that comes out? Should I just wait, see if someone will help me? You, lo you, you love that clip. I love that clip. You're waiting for the little guy to come out, the little charging station attendant guy. What Did you think he'd have like a little jumpsuit with his name over the mm -hmm. lapel and mm -hmm. maybe a little hat with a cartoon lightning bolt? Joe. Or, yeah. Yeah. Joe, I was waiting for Joe to come out. Um, in all seriousness, that was obviously a joke, Dave. Um, no, but for real, when I did pull up to the charging station, it was this kind of, all right, what do I do now idea, mm -hmm. you know? And for, for the most part, if you pull up to a gas station, you get out and pump your own gas. Or in Oregon, there are attendants that pump your own gas. So it was one of those, what do I do now? Maybe you could bring out some popcorn. <laughs> okay. Wash your windshield. We're moving on, Dave. Moving on. <laughs> Let's get back to the topic of our show, driving an EV in freezing, to, uh, freezing temperatures. I understand it is a pretty big deterrent for some of those EV shoppers. So to find out more about what to expect... We're going to bring in our resident EV expert and host of podcast Grid Connections, Chase Drum. Chase, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining us today for this episode. Yeah, great to be back. Can you explain why EV batteries take longer to charge and lose range quickly in cold weather? Definitely. And honestly, just to clarify, this isn't actually just an electric vehicle issue. I've worked with both technologies and combustion vehicles running to cold temperature issues as well. So that's why you'll see a lot of diesel and other large trucks with engine warmers or battery tenders plugged in during the winter months. So the regular 12 volt in them doesn't go dead in the combustion vehicle. So, but what we're talking today about is an electric vehicle batteries. And 
just a fact is the reason that EVs use more energy in the winter is the actual air is denser. So it just takes more energy, to, doesn't matter what vehicle you're in, to move anything down the road because the air is denser and colder. So whether it's EV or combustion, you're not going to get as good of efficiency going down the road. Um, and another thing, too, is like when you're charging at home, you really shouldn't notice too much of an issue with the daily performance of your electric vehicle if it's cold, because most of the time, um, even like the only times you start really seeing anything too seriously is if it's like close to zero Fahrenheit and you leave it in the outside, parked on the street and maybe not plugged in. Then when you go to drive, it might take a little bit to uh, take longer, but there's a lot of other technologies that the battery has. And most of these kind of stories that you hear about issues around EVs having problems in the cold is actually around DC fast charging. So we can kind of talk a bit more about that and what those issues are and some of the things you can do to help avoid that. But majority of the time, if you're just driving from home, and especially if you can plug your car in at night, you really won't notice any major issue to your car when you're driving around in the cold. So basically, batteries just need to be warm enough for the electrons to move. Exactly. How does that work, Chase? For sure. So uh, EV batteries, especially lithium ones, are generally kind of happiest when they're close to actually the human body temp, just coincidentally. And while in a combustion vehicle, a lot of the byproduct of the engine is actually heat. And that's what coincidentally keeps it warm and keeps a lot of the stuff in the engine bay warm. And of course, that's not true for electric vehicles. The motors are pretty efficient. They, especially in cold temps, aren't really throwing off much heat. So technically, batteries do slow down in cold temperatures, and it really doesn't uh, matter on the chemistry. This, the inherent chemical reaction slow down when it gets colder. But, um, this mean, this means that if the battery's cold and it hasn't been preconditioned or done anything to kind of make sure it's in that operating temperature where it wants to be, uh, this can result in reduced range and likely slower charging times. But however, I, I would say this is really where, especially with modern electric vehicles, this is where their thermal and battery management systems are actually designed uh, to keep that battery within the optimal temperature range. So they'll be both warming it up in cold conditions or even cooling it down when it's really hot out. So Many EVs now include heat pumps and other technologies, and this is why it's really important to also precondition your vehicle before you go out in the cold weather. And you know, Chase, I was recently uh, reading one of your articles on the Green Car site where you're talking about the headlines recently where EVs were dying in winter traffic jams and that that's actually been disproven. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Uh, quite a few auto uh, magazines and outlets have kind of done cold, uh, tests with electric vehicles in cold weather and usually over even a couple of days to see how the electric vehicles are kind of able to manage with that. And just overall, electric vehicles do use less energy, when it, especially with kind of some of these modern heating systems to maintain the cabin heat uh, than a combustion vehicle does because a combustion vehicle has to usually uh, it loses a lot of it just through the inherent efficiency, and it just is given off in heat. But unfortunately, not all that heat makes it to the cabin. So, uh, I mean, I even recently just drove a couple thousand miles between Ben Oregon and Steamboat Springs back in Colorado. And while it was uh, pretty cold and came across a lot of winter temps, it, it really was a pretty easy and uh, a surprisingly efficient trip. I was, I was uh, impressed, too. So, Chase, speaking of road trips, I know you've taken a few, and we want to learn all the tricks. Give us some tips on retaining both warmth and range during those long winter months. I understand a lot of EVs have a secret weapon, right? That's right, Trish. Yeah, a lot of 
new uh, electric vehicles have what's known as a heat pump. And it's a device that moves thermal energy from one part of your car to another to really make sure everything in the car, whether it's the motor, the cabin, or other parts are really just at their ideal temperatures. And it's essentially similar to the same heat pumps in homes, uh, just kind of shrunk down. And modern heat pumps in cars have been seriously updated in recent years, too. And they're designed for extreme temperatures. I know a lot of early heat pumps kind of got a bad rap because sometimes they wouldn't uh, be able to uh, effectively keep up in extreme temperatures. And I'm talking like uh, zero Fahrenheit and below. But these modern systems have done a much better job of kind of warming up the actual car and their systems. And then there's everything you can do just from even like using uh, your heated seats and heated steering wheel. And it's honestly a lot of the time just the car is getting to a point where I, I like to say there are some <laughs> tips and secrets. And there's a couple of things, like I said, like using your heat seats or other stuff like that. But most of these car systems are really getting to the point now that they're doing a lot of the thinking for you, which really is, I think, great. It makes it a lot easier for people to get into an electric vehicle. Tell us about battery pack options and how they're changing for better life in the cold. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, here an example I always like to use, and I, I think a lot of people have seen this already in electric vehicle or a lot of auto OEMs marketing their electric vehicles is a country like Norway. Part of the country is even above the Arctic Circle. And even though it's such a cold place, it still leads the world in electric vehicle sales. I haven't been yet, but I, I have a couple of friends who work in the automotive industry, and they've been recently, and even they were kind of shocked at how many electric vehicles are on the road and really how it's taken off there. I mean, nine out of 10 new vehicles sold there are either electric or hybrid. And the vast majority of those uh, 90%, closer to about 80, is still electric. And a big part of the reason for those improvements are due to it having heat pumps in cars and just robust charging uh, systems at homes and businesses to honestly make going to an EV in a cold climate much easier to live with than even a combustion vehicle. And Chase, I know you are in some snowy and icy conditions for most of the time. So let's talk about that for people who drive in snowy and icy conditions. All-wheel drive is an important feature. So how does that function in an EV? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I mean, I'm an Oregonian. For, I've had uh, I've gone through a few different Subarus for kind of driving in the snow and having like studded tires because I go up to go skiing and quite a few mountain passes. I just have to drive over pretty fr uh, frequently to visit family. So when I made the change to an electric vehicle for my main car, I was definitely concerned about that. But the fact is, uh, electric motors are really just better at being able to adapt to changes in traction. So if it does hit a slippery surface, it can respond a lot faster because of just how an electric motor is inherently than kind of the traditional uh, linkage systems and other things in a combustion vehicle where it has to kind of go through a mechanical system to relay what it's figuring out to go to the computer in that car and then relay it back through a mechanical system where it's a much more uh, kind of clear and quicker solution in an electric vehicle so it can respond to those changes. But um, the thing I always tell people too is it, it is really important to equip your car with the right tires for uh, winter driving because a lot, it doesn't matter if you have all wheel drive or not, if you hit a slippery patch and you're running like summer slicks or summer performance tires, it's going to be like hockey pucks on ice. You're just going to slide no matter if you have all wheel drive or not. So EVs are great, but even if you're going in the winter, you want to make sure that you have uh, some good winter tires on them too. So before heading out in the cold, it's important to preheat your EV. 
Uh, it's okay to use climate control uh, to heat up the cabin, but once you're out and driving, you can save a lot of range just by using your heated seats and heated steering wheel, right? Yeah, for sure. And one thing I, I do want to say is like, I, I did kind of write about that in the recent article. I, I just want to say, it's not like you have to do that or your car is going to die in uh, winter cold, but it, it's just kind of one of those little tips and kind of hacks to just make you're sure your EV is performing its most efficiently. But yeah, I, I always recommend like, if you're going to buy an electric vehicle, you want to make sure you're buying a vehicle so it doesn't hamper your life. You want to have something that's fun and enjoyable. And for the majority of the time, you're not going to see a big difference in change in lifestyle, especially when you've got stuff like a heat pump doing a lot of the heavy lifting for making sure that the car and all of its subsystems in the cabin stay was warm. But yeah, the most efficient thing you can do really in any car is actually always using your heated seats or the heated steering wheel, because that's going to be the most direct uh, usage of energy to keep you warm before it has to heat up the rest of the car, especially if you're the only one driving in the car. Now, Chase, I want to get back to those winter tires. But before I ask you about that, uh, let's talk about regenerative braking quickly on slippery roads. Can regenerative braking cause your car to slide? Yeah, that's a great question. And I have experienced that uh, personally myself. But uh, I will say that is a pretty rare thing. And it's much more the case for older electric vehicles, uh, especially ones without all-wheel drive. And to be honest with you, it's just like any sort of winter driving. The instant you apply your brakes aggressively, you are going to put yourself into a slide much more likely than if you kind of just ease into it. So you really, can you? Yes. But it it really is just uh, a little bit of that experience you have to have in winter driving. And just remembering that when you're using your regenerative brakes, you kind of want to ease onto them just like you would your normal brakes. Um, so as I always say, if you're in doubt, use your best judgment and just go slow. Yeah, I would just stay home, Chase. But uh, let's get back to those winter tires. <laughs> no, that's a great point. Right. Uh, let's get back to winter tires. Are there winter tires specifically made for EVs? Uh, yes. Yes, there are. And in, as a matter of fact, I actually even put some uh, EV-specific winter tires on my car. And the big reason you want to, you probably would be fine, honestly, with just using any brand of winter tires if they fit the uh, wheel and setup for your car. But the new ones that are coming out specifically designed for EVs are pretty impressive in the fact that they have, uh, they're designed to minimize kind of rolling resistance losses. So you actually still get the most effective uh, range and distances in your car, but you also have grip. And I, for a long time, always thought that was such a counterintuitive thing that somehow you're making your car less rolling resistant, but you still have the same amount of grip. And that is true. They are actually two separate things. I think a lot of people have misconceptions about them. But these are specifically designed for EVs, so they're best for your range. They're also usually designed to have um, materials kind of like foam inside of the tire. So it actually helps also minimize the amount of road noise that's being transferred from your tire into the car. So it just makes the actual driving experience much more comfortable, too. So uh, I, I think you're totally right that... As someone who does a lot of driving over mountain passes, and I've actually, I I sometimes get a lot of flack for this, but I always would have uh, studded tires just because I would be doing a lot of driving, going, skiing. Um, And so I meant to get this version of tires with studs, and unfortunately, they just didn't offer it when I went to go buy them last year. And I've been really impressed with how well they've done for non-studded and it kind of in combination with just how well the all-wheel drive system my EV has been doing. So it's been great. 
And of course, no matter what you drive, it's important to have an emergency kit in your trunk or frunk that includes stuff like first aid items, an extra coat and blanket, water and snacks, just in case you find yourself stranded somewhere. Thanks so much for your time today, Chase. Yeah, my pleasure. And I couldn't agree with you more about that, Dave. So thanks again and look forward to talking to both of you soon. Thank you, Chase. You know, he's such a smarty pants when it comes to EVs, and I just feel like he always answers our questions. Yep, that's why we keep him around. That's, that's and right. Now let's dive into the mailbag to see what questions that you might have. Our first letter comes to us from Rosa Garcia of Sacramento, California, who asks, how long have electric vehicles been around? Ooh, good question. Well, Rosa, you may be shocked to learn that the first electric-powered carriage appeared in 1832 thanks to the work of Scottish inventor Robert Anderson. In 1899, 90% of taxi cabs in New York City were electric. Wow, that is incredible. What happened to all of them? Well, those early EVs didn't have a lot of range. Mm. And when Henry Ford began mass-producing the Model T gasoline car in 1908, the more expensive electric taxis went away. So we could have been driving electric this entire time? Yes. Okay. By 1915, the average American could afford a Model T, which costs around 500 bucks. And EVs of that time cost anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000 okay. by comparison. Mm -hmm. Our next podcast is all about the fascinating history of EVs. And I am so excited for that episode and very excited to learn more about the history. Our next text is from Bob Cranson from Macon, Georgia. And he asks, if everyone ends up driving an electric car... Won't that crash our electric grid? Okay, the short answer is no. Okay. Electric companies uh, will have no problem supplying power to EV owners. For one thing, most uh, EV owners are going to be charging their vehicles overnight at home. We're in, that's like demand is at its lowest mm -hmm. at that point. A 2019 Department of Energy report found that mass adoption of EVs will not pose a significant challenge to um to the to the grid okay well as you know um our episodes are both video versions we have audio versions and some of our previous episodes are getting some comments on youtube and social media so i'd like to read one of our youtube channel green cars hq this is viewer frank coffee and i'm just going to read this nothing is holding me back from evs he says my wife and i both have electric cars but that's because we own a home and can charge the cars in the garage what is being done, he asked, to get more chargers installed for apartment renters? Charging an EV takes longer than buying gas, and you have to waste charge getting to the public charger and back. That really takes away one of the main advantages of an EV. Cars need to be able to charge where they park when not in use unless they're on a long road trip. Great comment. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, and, and it's something that uh, there's actually a lot of movement in this area. Mm -hmm. Many charge networks, such as ChargePoint, EverCharge, Blink Charging, many others are engaging apartment complexes directly to attract EV owners. It makes sense because 47% of millennials plan on purchasing an EV as their next vehicle. Wow. And basically what we're talking about is turning a parking lot mm -hmm. into an actual source of revenue for the apartment complex. Smart supply demand. Absolutely. Right? Well, Dave, as you know, we have a lot of different ways to comment. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, drop us a comment. You can also leave a comment on our social media platforms. And if you have a question about hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or all-electric cars, you want to talk to Dave, we'd love, <laughs> we'd love to hear from you. 
email us at the podcast at greencars.com. And as Dave mentioned, our next episode is going to take us back in time to reveal the incredible history of the electric car. Here's a quick preview. The electric revolution has well and truly begun, but vehicles powered by electricity aren't as new as you might think. So where did it all begin and how have we got to where we are now? Time for a brief history of electric cars. Um, that's cool. Yeah, and anything he says with that British accent, I believe. Electric motor. Electric motor. Very yes. excited. That's just the beginning, folks. This next episode is going to be quite amazing. It's uh, an incredible story. I'm really excited. And we also have a really cool guest in episode five. Stay tuned for that. But for now, that wraps it up for another episode of Green Cars, the podcast. When it comes to EVs, stay informed, stay charged. We'll see you next time. Follow us at Green Cars HQ. Email us at the podcast at greencars.com.